Um, at the beginning of every year, we have a few goals here at Northlands. We seek to engage our members in service um, because I believe that serving is the best way to grow spiritually. It's the foremost mechanism of protection on our lives. It's one of the great healing mechanisms on our lives and it gives great understanding. I was on a TV program this week when the interviewer has a, a group of young uh, ladies that have been rescued out of trafficking. And he said, the, the, he said in, I've been in ministry, he's been in ministry for 48 years. He said, I've never seen anything as powerful as this. From the, the moment they rescue a young lady, they, get, they put her in, they bring her in, and they get her serving other communities. He said, it is the most impactful thing that we've ever seen to bring healing into the lives of young people. And I thought, you know, that's so true. I believe that with all my heart. So we, at the beginning of every year, we, we kind of engage our focus because it's such a big issue to us. It's such a real issue. And I, I want to sometimes just grab the church and shake you and say, please listen, I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is about you. This is about you coming to your wholeness in Christ. This is about you finding your space. This is about you breathing in the oxygen of heaven and finding a rhythm that's going to change your life. And the second thing we do at the beginning of every year is we go after community. We ask people to commit to community because people stay on fire for God best when they're in community. It's most often the step away from community is a step down from vibrancy in the kingdom. And uh, I didn't make up those rules. It just seems to be the way it is. And so one of the big challenges of, of a shepherd of a group of people is just let's stay together. Hang in here. There's some bad things that happen out there on the cold, dark edges of the kingdom. Amen? So every year we try and encourage people to engage in those two realities. For us, that uh, grace teams is our mechanism of service, and journey groups are our mechanisms for community. But we're right in the middle. We have a two-week gap here between really asking people to sign up for grace teams, and in about two weeks' time, we're going to ask you to commit to community in journey group. And I was just sitting here looking at this two-week gap and saying, Lord, what do you want to say? And I believe with all my heart that we're in a season right now, a spiritual season. And um, maybe it's years of practice and experience, or maybe it's the grace to prophesy in my life, or maybe it's a personal sense of what the Lord's been saying to me, but I, those have conspired together to, be, to cause me to believe that we're in a season of an opportunity to sow seed. I have this picture in my mind of the uh, person going out to clean out uh, a plot of land to plow and plow up the soil in nice even rows and uh, it's rained overnight and then somebody goes out with bags of seed and they start sowing seed into the field. And that's the picture that's kind of been in my spirit. And I felt like the Lord called. He said, son, I, I think it's a time for you to come and sow seeds of prayer for 2024. And I go, but Lord, I have prayed. He goes, no, you haven't prayed enough. Come and sow some seeds. Come and, come and believe me for great things. Restore, refire, rehope, re-envision. Start to pray prayers that are bold. And I began to feel the poverty of my own imagination. Because I, I, I went and I said, Lord, but what about that one? And he goes, yeah, is that all you got? Felt a little like that. No condemnation, just, but I, I'd like to answer a lot more than that, son. So dig your hand into the seed again and, and sow some more prayer into the year. Come on and believe me for bigger things. It's the nature of pain 
that it zooms us down to the very specific place of pain, that our world can shrink very dramatically and very quickly to pain. And if we live in a, an elongated season of pain, that becomes the only thing we focus on. It makes of big people small thinkers because that's their only focus. And I'm feeling like the Lord is saying, I'm gonna re redo the season. If you understand, if you can catch something of a heart for this, you'll understand that now is the season to pray prayers for 2024. Because yeah. the rains are coming and the seeds will grow and something is gonna come out. In, in that line, I, I came to one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 126, and I wanna read to you uh, some of the elements of Psalm 126, but Psalm 126 is really divided into three parts. It starts with a song. The song of Psalm 126 says this, when the Lord restored our fortunes to Zion, of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy, and then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. What a song. I, uh, I'm kind of hooked on those programs where there's a, there's a show and then some singer comes up and then they sing and then they get the standing ovation or they, what do they, when they hit the button and things come down. What do they call that? They get the golden buzzer, right? And it, like, like I'm a sucker for that. Because, because it draws me back to this right here. Because there's that moment where, they, where their longings and their yearnings and their dreams are now made manifest and they just, sometimes mostly, they just weep. And I weep and then I start, look over there, look over there. Because I... <laughs> King Philip of Macedon was uh, Alexander the Great's father, but he he started to try to get a little braggadocious and the Romans had had enough of him so they came and they conquered him and they uh, conquered all the Grecian cities. And then they decided, in, in a, they had a, a general who was a great statesman and he decided after he conquered them to give them back all their freedom. So what he does, he called everybody to the Isthmian Games and, they, and there were thousands of Greeks there and he got up and had the crier get up and he called everybody silence and they all went quiet. And then he said, uh, proclaimed in the name of the Roman general Quintus. Uh, and uh, this is what they said. The Roman Senate and T. Quintus the general having vanquished King Philip and the Macedonians do ordain that the Corinthians, Phocesians, Locrisians, the island of Euboea, Magnesians, Thessalians, Perhagians, Bians, Achaeans, and Phytheotians shall be free, be delivered from all taxes, and live according to their own laws. He, they had just conquered everybody, and they called them all to the, this is your time of submission. And so, this is what one of the historians wrote about that time. This is what he said. This proclamation of the herald being heard, there was such a joy that the people in general could not comprehend it. Scarcely could any person believe what he had heard. They gazed on each other, wondering as if it had been some illusion, similar to a dream. And although all were interested in what was spoken, none could trust his own ears, but they inquired each from him who stood next to him what it was that was proclaimed. 
The herald was again called as each expressed the strongest desire not only to hear, but to see the messenger on his own liberty. The herald therefore repeated the proclamation. And when by this repetition the glad tidings were confirmed, there arose such a shout accompanied with repeated clapping of hands as plainly showed that all of the good things, none is so dear to the multitude as liberty. It's just the people, when, they, when he made the proclamation, it was so precious to them, they couldn't believe their ears. Again, no, 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 wait, wait, bring that guy back, say it again. And the second time he said it, they just began to cheer. And apparently they said, you could hear it 30 miles away. People were screaming and clapping and weeping and dancing and cheering and celebrating. And they couldn't, the, the guys who was trying to do the games, that was just forgotten for about half an hour. People just celebrated. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like people who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. When God restored the fortunes, when he removed our captivity, when he resolved our worst fears, when he delivered us from our meanest enemies and he turned our fortunes again for good, we were like the people who dreamed. We've had our deepest desires met not through some unjust means, not because we had to fight or because we had to stand on the shoulders of somebody else or we wrestled it away, but God gave it to us freely. We laughed, we cried, we clapped our hands, we hugged loved ones, we wept some more, and we sung our great songs. When the Lord restored our fortunes, when he turned back our captivity, when he changed around all the circumstances of our lives, when our deepest desires were met, when he slaked our thirst. And I felt at the beginning of this year, I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? I said, I want you to tell my people, I want you to come out with seed in your hand. I want you to sow prayers into this year. Yeah. I want you to walk out in faith and just sow and pray and cry aloud and seek my face. And I am gonna raise a harvest that some of you would not believe if I told you now. So the psalm is broken into a song, which we just read, and then it's broken into a prayer. Because they say, in memory, basically the psalmist says, this has happened to us before. When the Lord restored our fortunes, this is what happened. And then he turns to his current moment of time, and verse four is what his prayer is. He says, Lord, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the desert. He says, when the Lord did this for us previously, this is how we acted. Now restore our fortunes today, Lord. Make us like streams in the desert. Some people here, and you're, you're sitting and you're crying out for the restoration of your fortune, and some of you are saying, Lord, could you restore my fortunes right now? And there are some people today who don't feel worthy. Maybe you feel disqualified by your previous actions, and some of you feel too old, or some of you feel too young, and you feel disqualified by your age, and some of you don't believe that God could ever use somebody like you, or perhaps with your background, or with your educational level, or with your skin tone, or your financial bracket, and anything else you want to disqualify yourself with. But it seems to me that coming in humble and crying out in need is the only qualification you need. That's the best soil, honestly, to sow seed in. Not the soil of arrogance, not the hardness of heart, 
Not that I don't need a thing. You, you don't understand I'm rich. Well, you don't understand, Revelation says, you're poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me, to learn from me, to get wisdom from me. Because, because there is something about the way people come. If you come brokenness, not qualified, not having a sense of, of, of earning it, but going, Lord, could you just be gracious to me? I'm coming just because you said anybody who believes, not anybody who's perfect. Aren't you on? Isn't that nice? If you said, all of you who are perfect, come and pray. He didn't say that. He said, anyone who believes. Praise God. Because I can do that one. Perfect. Long past being me. Coming in, coming in humble is a thing of beauty. But restore our fortunes, Lord, is a great corporate prayer. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Change the circumstances. Turn this around. Even while I'm speaking, there's some people here, you, you almost believe, and then you go, nah, not me. I'm telling you, you included. You. But Greg, you don't understand. You. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the desert. I remember past restorations. I remember past blessings and past answers to prayer. And they help me be confident today because I'm crying out. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Like streams in the desert. Basically, they're asking for floods to fill the dry riverbeds in the desert. Some commentators believe that in the mountains of Israel, on the top of the mountains, there'd be snow. And then every now and again, there'd come this warm wind. And it would blow for a couple of days. And it would, it would melt the snow. And then the snow would come screaming down the mountain in, in rivulets. And then just hit the floor, desert floor. And then just be driven for miles out into the desert. And so you'd be some farmer sitting in the desert. And this ice-cold stream of water would just come charging into the desert. And they called people who would go out into the middle of the desert, into the boiling hot sun, and they'd begin to dig little cisterns for when the water comes, I'm going to capture some of it here. And then they dig little rivulets so that I'm going to, I'm going to when the water fills, it's, I'm going to seed this whole field. And they dig, and people would go, are you, are, have you lost your mind? What are you doing? You're sweating in the midday sun. Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. The rest of us don't. What are you doing? They'd be digging. I'm sowing in tears. What do you mean? I can't see it now. And there's not, a, there's not a cloud on the horizon. And I can't feel the wind. But I need a harvest. So I'm out here digging. And I'm sowing seed. And they go, he's lost it. And then the wind would begin to blow. And suddenly his fields would be wet and his cisterns would be full and people come knocking on his door. Can I get a little bit of your water? Remove the rubble. Dig the irrigation ditches. Make space for the water. It's going to look a little strange to the people around you. There's a song, there's a prayer, and then there's a promise. This is the promise. 
Verse five. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping and carrying seeds to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What a promise. Those who sow with tears will reap with joy. Those who go out in the middle of their weeping but carrying seed, they're going to see a harvest and they're going to be full of joy. What a promise. Love this. Here's the promise. Those who sow in tears, who were on their way while weeping, who sought their, their seed with tears, are going to come back later with joyful songs and plenty of sheaves. If you're in a season of weeping and of doubt or of hopelessness or of pain, let me just encourage you to get up, grab your seed bag and start sowing in your tears. Now is the season of sowing. Do not wait and say, well, I'm gonna wait for a better season. I'm gonna wait till I feel better. I don't want the workers to hear me sobbing in the fields. You need to let them hear you sob in the fields. And while you sow, you weep your way through the pain. And some of us need to sow as some seeds of prayer. I tell you the truth. Some of us need to pray bigger prayers. I have felt the poverty of my own imagination this week as I was preparing this message. Because I went to the Lord, I go, I'm going to sow. I went, ta-da. And he goes, you got more than that, right, boy? You got bigger prayers than that. And it's amazing how disappointment and pain and pressure can make us shrink to a smaller version of what God wants than of us. <laughs> Greg, the circumstances are hard. They're off. They're misaligned. I'm hurting and I'm misunderstood. And yes, grab your bag of seed. Come out here into the heap, right into the middle of the heat, and weep with me and sow with me into this year. Every prayer you offer like that is a seed sown in the season. This year lies before us. Let's seed it with the prayers of the saints, with earnest requests for God's kingdom to come and rule in our lives, for His reign to be manifest among us, that His will should be done. Let's sow in this season the prayers that we want for the year. Because this is the promise. If you go out weeping, Carrying your seed, you'll come back. Songs of joy and a rich harvest. So let me say it boldly. This is the season for sowing seeds of prayer. Right now. Say, so Greg, I'm in. Thank you. How do I do this? Well, I, as I was reflecting, this is where this kind of sermon started, I was, I was looking at the scriptures that have really 
jumped up and bitten me in the heart at the beginning of this year. The ones that I've gone, wow, that's sweet. And there were three of them, and I, as I was meditating on all of them, I, I realized all of them are practical ways of sowing in tears. So I want to take you through them quickly. These are practical ways. The first one is in Psalm 34, and we mentioned this a few weeks back. <clears throat> but it says, I sought the Lord. This is David in the cave. And he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. But this poor man called, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I sought the Lord. He heard me, he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. We're going through a pandem pandemic of fear. Social isolation did bad, bad things in the world, actually, all over the world. And I know there are many practical calls and things you can do to win over anxiety and fears, but it has become recently less fashionable to seek the Lord and to call out to Him in the middle of fear or anxiety. But it is the one that I'd recommend. Seeking the Lord and crying out to Him is a form of sowing in tears. I am sitting here in fear, in anxiety, under pressure. I have many fears. As Paul said, I, I'm besieged by fears all around me. You don't tell me, well, if I get spiritual enough, I won't have that. No, some of the most spiritual people we know were besieged by fear. That's not, that's not the mark of spirituality. You'll never be scared again. No, the, the, in fact, the closer you get to God, the more pressure is gonna come. That's good news, right? That's not the issue. The issue is when I am afraid, what do I do? David said, I sought the Lord. I went straight to the source of all peace and all comfort and the God of all comfort. I go to him. I seek the Lord. And if I don't immediately see him, I'm going to spend time to find him. Because when I find him, I found everything I need. And then he said, and the angel of the Lord will encamp around those who fear the Lord, who do this. Make the Lord, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm in trouble. Where is God? I'm going after him. Boom, I'm, I'm chasing him down. I sought the Lord, David said. And he delivered me from all my fear. Praise God. What a delight to have the Lord as my defense. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Yeah. Takes my enemies, puts them far enough away so that they can still see the table he's preparing for me, yeah. but he holds them there. Really Every now and again, I look up from a particularly tasty morsel and wave. <laughs> so I seek the Lord by deliberate action. I pick up my bag of seed and I go out seeking the Lord. There is something that displays my faith in the middle of fear, in the middle of anxiety when I'm going, I don't care. This is not gonna immobilize me. I'm going to seek the Lord. There is something about that action that is sowing in tears. David said, this poor man called and he heard me. You need no other qualification to come. <laughs> but through tears, you cry out. I want us all to be able to say at the end of this year, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered and he delivered me. The second scripture that has really impacted me has been Psalm 50. 
sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. You will praise me or you will honor me. My job is to sacrifice thank offerings. Your job. To take part in the bounty of his blessings that God has already given us and to give it back to him as a way to say thank you. I off, it's a sacrifice of thanks. It's not just something. It costs me something. It's a sacrifice. I take from the bounty God's given me and I sacrifice something to say thank you. I honor you. And I fulfill my vows. I do what I said I was going to do. I'm, a, I'm about the work of obedience. And he said, if you do those things and you call on me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. You will honor me. God basically said, in the day of your trouble, show up at my house with your requests. You call, I answer, you praise. It's a beautiful interaction. And it's not only that when I'm in trouble that I come, because I've been sacrificing thank offerings and fulfilling my vows, and now I'm gonna call. So when I come and I call, when, when trouble's breathing down the back of my neck, it's one of the ways I sow in tears. I can feel the hot breath of trouble. I go, oh, Father, I'm calling. Because you said, call, I will answer. Some people sitting here, you can feel the hot breath of trouble on the back of your neck. I just want to say, you pick up your bag of seed and start crying aloud while you sow prayer. God. Deliver me from this thing. Help me free. Father, break us all free. Father, provide for us. Open doors for us. Guide us with your spirit. Show us a better way. God, I call out to you. Give me your voice. God, give me strength. Sturdy hands and a stout heart. God, I'm just sowing seeds. Still feel the breath on the back of my neck. I'm sowing in tears. Third scripture is this one. Genesis 22. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Isaac was a type of Jesus. Isaac was about to climb a mountain. His father put wood on his back. Jesus had to climb a mountain with some wood on his back. Isaac spoke up and said, Father... Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You know the story, Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac. He looks up, there's a ram caught in a thicket. He takes, God says, don't kill your son, take the ram, I've provided the lamb. They kill that, they, they make the burnt offering, they celebrate, they bless the Lord, and they call that place the Lord will provide or the Lord will see to it. The God who sees has gone ahead to make the provision that he saw was gonna be necessary. And th that's different translators and different translations use it differently, but the, uh, the Lord, Abraham called that place or that encounter the Lord will see or the Lord will provide or on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided is the saying that came out of it. Because God, God's eye always affects his heart. Whatever he sees, when he sees somebody in want, he always moves his hand to supply. There's very difference in God's economy between his vision and his provision. 
That's what Jesus spoke about. If your eye is good, you'll be generous. If your eye is bad, you'll be stingy. Because there's a disconnect between your ability to see and your ability and your desire to want to react. But those who commit themselves to a journey of obedience out of their love for Jesus may not have everything figured out yet. You don't have all the answers. You just have to be walking in the direction that the Lord made clear to you. Because what Abraham does not see and what he cannot know is that on the other side of the mountain where he cannot see, God is causing a ram to walk up and to be stuck in the place that God has commanded Abraham to go. And God gets that ram caught by its horns. Why? So that when Abraham gets to that place, that ram can't fight Abraham with its only weapon. And so it's caught up in the thicket by its horns. And so when Abraham gets there, not only is the provision made, but it's easy for him to kill. And when questions arise, even though you can't see God moving, you have to speak out faith. That's sowing in tears. Because you ascribe greatness to God in the middle of a misty vision. I can't see what God's doing. I haven't seen a sense of what He's said. He's made a promise, but I have no inkling that He is actually doing anything. But I am determined to trust Him and be about going to the place that He called me to go. If Abraham had stopped halfway up the mountain, in order for God to bless him, He would have had to untangle the lamb, bring it over the side of the mountain, show it to Abraham, then cause the ram to go back up to the place. Some of us want to stop right here. As God said, I'll meet you there with provision and we want to stop right here because we can't see it yet. We go, no, no, no. You have to prove it to me. But God is trying to get us to a place where we walk by faith, not by sight. Because when you only walk by sight, that's particularly human. And you're limited to what humans can do. He's trying to get us into the realm of faith where, he, where we start to be accessing what He can do. So I'm gonna be sowing in tears. I can see no rain, but I'm going out into the heat to dig irrigation ditches and plant seeds. And there's no rain cloud, but I know he told me to do this, so here I am, sweating and weeping and working. God told me to go up this mountain, and I can't see how he's gonna stop it. But I'm gonna go do what he told me to do. God's going to provide what I need. That's why God liked working with Abraham. He knew enough about God's character to stay the course. And when I make a statement of faith, before anybody can see, that's sowing in tears. I know who my God is. He's being faithful to me. And nobody can see him moving. You go, are you sure? Yes, because this is who he is. What are you doing? Uh, this is foolish. My God told me to go there. But he hasn't showed up in the last month. He hasn't told you anything else. He hasn't encouraged you on the way. No, but my God told me to go there, and I'm going to go there. So the three things, practical ways you and I can sow is that we can seek the Lord in our darkness, in our fear. We can call out to Him in our trouble. And we can believe Him 
without being able to see the answer. Can we just get a microphone there? So as the, the worship team's gonna come up, I'm gonna ask, I've asked them to come up and lead us in some worship at the end of this. Because I wanna practice, I wanna put this into practice now. I'm hoping that we're gonna give in just a few minutes, two or three, four or five minutes, and we're gonna pick up some seed and we're gonna put some prompts up on the screen and maybe you wanna pray about some of those things. Maybe you've got some prayers of your own, but I would dare you to just take the next few minutes and grab as much seed as you can and sow prayer into this year and say, God, I need your help. I need your supernatural. And please don't pray anything that you could do by yourself. It has to be spectacular and supernatural and big. Michelle's had a word in percolating for a few weeks now in her spirit about something the Lord's doing, and I felt like it would be helpful for her to just share because I think it fits the season we're in. I wanted to share this with you because I hadn't actually planned to share it this morning, but then we started with, with worship, um, singing, this is a house of miracles, which really is a prophetic declaration over this house. We're not just singing words, we're saying, God, this is a house of miracles. And then we had the testimony of diverticulosis being healed and a call to take of unbelief and renew faith. And so the Lord gave me this picture recently and just listening to that, I really felt like, I needed to share it with you so that we can get heaven's perspective of what God is doing um, among us and in, in this house at the moment. And the picture God gave me were of hot springs just kind of bursting forth everywhere. And, and that happens in, in the natural. Hot springs happen when, when the water reaches a temperature that's higher than its surroundings. And it's a phenomenal thing to, to see, and people come from all over the world to see different hot springs. And I realized that we're not supposed to adapt to an environment of unbelief. We're, we're called to raise the temperature to one of faith so that miracles burst forth. And we do that for one another. It's not, well, you don't have faith, so God's not healing you. Yes, we need faith, but we stand with one another. I can have faith for your healing when you don't. That's why we need community. We're called to be a stream in the desert. And then I was reminded of the story in Genesis with opening up of the wells. And that happened, the wells were opened when there was unity. And I believe there is unity in the spirit here to see the miraculous. We're, we're in agreement for that. Let me just read you, I won't read you the, all of it, but it says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But the herders quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours and they named the well Essek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over it. They called it Sitna. He moved out from there and dug another well and no one quarreled. And he named it Rehoboth saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug and they said, we found water. So what do I feel like the Lord is saying to us? What is the season we're in? And I really believe it lines up with what we've just heard. This is a seasoning of the a season of the opening up of the miraculous. I believe it's a season where many will come to, just like people come to see hot springs. People will come because of the miracles that God wants to manifest in in our midst. And and I felt like it is a season of of, of finding water. It's a season of God opening up the wells that the enemies try to stop. 
and Ty spoke about a little bit about that in the beginning. Sometimes unbelief or disappointment, even wrong theology, can stop the well from springing up so that healing can come. But I feel like this is a season of, of the opening up of wells. That's what this year is about. And, and we seed it with prayer. We seed it with prayers that declare what we don't yet see. And we get with others that will stand with us to say, this is what God has said. This is what the Word says. This is who our, our God is. I really do believe it is a season of the wells opening up. And there will be many more testimonies of what in the natural is impossible. But we don't serve the God of the possible. We serve the God of the impossible. And so I just really wanted to share that with, with us as a, as a body, that that hot springs are going to be bursting forth all around Northlands and people will come to see the miracles and God wants to perform some of those miracles in our own lives. So I just wanted to give you that perspective of what he's doing. Very good. What I wanted to do, we're going to just, uh, the worship team is just going to play gently in the background and I want you to pick up your bag of seed. We're going to put a a prompt up there just on the screen some about family or maybe career or maybe friends or maybe your hopes or your calling or your dreams. Can we just get that up on the screen? And um, maybe you want to pray about some of those. Maybe you want to pray about a bunch of other things. But we're just going to take the next three or four minutes and we're going to cry out to the Lord. And I'm inviting you to come pray some prayers and sow some seeds. And some of you may be saying, but there's no way this could come true. I'm in the middle of the desert and you want me to plant seeds of prayer and there's no possible way this could happen. And the Lord's saying, I'll make springs well up around your seed. But you gotta put some seed in the ground. You gotta lay some seed out there. You gotta trust God for some things. And so that's what we're gonna do for the next three or four minutes. And then the worship team is gonna lead us in a song. We're gonna bless the Lord and praise Him. But... Um, I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to start that. You can pray it in your own heart. You can just, I dare you, pray more prayers than you think the year's worth. I mean, just load it up with seed. Father, would you expand our hearts right now to be able to lay before you prayers that we believe, prayers of faith, prayers of daring, Lord, that say, Lord, could you do profound things for us in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's go for it. Let's pray some prayers and sow some seed.
So Lord, with heart full of faith, we believe you at your word that there is more, that there is more, that Abraham saw this day and he rejoiced. This is the day of the Lord, of reconciliation, of restoration, of recovery. So Lord, we proclaim this is a house of miracles. And Lord, we take our seed and we sow it diligently with faithfulness because we will be a people who reap in joy. In Jesus' name, we're gonna go ahead and close out our meeting. Again, if this is your first time, a welcome to you. You'll see right in the front lobby a new here station. We'd love to meet you, hear more about your story. Feel free to scan that QR code. Again, the School of Ministry is gonna be kicking off. Sign up tonight so you get that early bird price. And then finally, we wanna continue in prayer. We have a ministry team that will come right up front here. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come. We see oftentimes when believers gather like this, the Holy Spirit will speak to us about our situations and circumstances so that he might bring healing and power. These are called words of knowledge. And so you're gonna see some words come up on the screen. And those words might be a sentence or a phrase or a verse that might be describing your situation. If there's something in there that describes what you're going through, please come up to the ministry team, let them know so that we can be praying for that very thing. But with that, have an amazing rest of your Sunday and we will see you next weekend.